DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is my go-to when betting on NFL this holiday season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings step-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, players' props, point totals, and more. The more leg you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Like there's this big game that's coming up, Cowboys versus Giants, and I absolutely love using DraftKings in order for me to place bets on games like that. All you have to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use the promo code SOTS, place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Once again, use the promo code SOTS. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be assessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. Physically present in Louisiana, only $100 in free bets. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Minimum $5 pregame money line bet. Bet must win. $150 issued as $625 free bets. Ends 12-31-22 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern. Step up same game parlays. One token issued per eligible game. Opt-in required. Minimum $1 bet. Max bet limits apply. Minimum three legs. Each leg minimum minus 300 odds. Total bets plus 100 odds or longer. 10 plus legs required for 100% boost. Ends 1-8-23 at 8 p.m. Eastern. See eligibility and terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. Hey, what's going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones. And yes, I am the host of the State of the Saints podcast. Wait a minute. <laughs> Thank you all so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast, where we talk New Orleans Saints. Uh, thank you all so much for spending a little bit of time with yours truly. Um, I know this isn't uh, normally the time we normally do shows, but um, as some of you know, I mean, Paxton, uh, been a little bit under the weather so been dealing with with that and you know he's been home with me and my wife had to work so thank y'all for being so patient um we're going to be talking a little bit about uh the final thoughts from week 11 uh we know that the saints got the victory um by a score of 27 to 20 um much needed victory it gives the saints their fourth win of the season um and, and puts them back in a playoff hunt you know and 
you know, as I, you know, evaluated the game and, and took a day to kind of think about everything, it, it just goes to show you in a lot of ways, you know, how some people that are just fans of this football team, you know, they just be running their mouth. You know, I mean, I'm just being 100. Like, a lot of Saints fans, they just be running their mouth. Like, we we see them, like, come on shows like this or they chime in on other shows and they talk about all these problems and what the team needs to do and what they need to get rid of when they're losing. And then when they win, it just seems like it just absolves everything. Like, I come away from this Week 11 game and people can say that I'm – you know, a, a pessimist, whatever. I mean, I come away from this game feeling the same exact way I felt last week when they lost to Pittsburgh. Like, this does not change anything for me. Am I, am I happy that the Saints won? Absolutely. Like, why wouldn't you be? But the fact that we see, you know, Andy Dalton, you know, put up those type of numbers, I mean, maybe it's just a football fan in me, but I've been watching Andy Dalton his entire career. Like, this includes. Uh, him playing at TCU. Like, I can remember when Andy Dalton got drafted in the second round. I can remember him playing in the Rose Bowl. I, I'm I'm just being 100. Like, if the Saints want to impress me, let's try to make a run out this thing. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm not going to just jump and do backflips just because they won a football game. I'm, I'm sorry. It, you know, it was an impressive win. It's something that they can build on. But we seen this before. Like, we we thought when we seen a shutout versus the Raiders, we thought that this team, you know, turned it around. And then they go on this two-game losing streak. You know, be that as it may, I mean, I can't accept the fact that you lost to the Ravens. They're a really good football team. But the fact that you have Kenny Pickett, you know, a guy who had two touchdowns, eight interceptions, and you had him going out here looking like he was back at Pittsburgh, not the Steelers, but, you know what I'm saying, the University of Pittsburgh, and you had Najee Harris, who has been struggling, making him look like he was the second coming to Derrick Henry. And then you play against the Rams, who have been struggling, and they're probably just in the same type of predicament as you. And I'm supposed to forget that, you know, they got an inept coach. I, I'm supposed to forget that they have a wishy-washy quarterback. I'm supposed to forget that this is a team that has the capability of being undisciplined more times than not. I mean, it's just hard for me to do that. And I've been watching, you know, people – you know, talk about, oh, man, you know, they're they, they going to make a run. Watch out. Look out. Like, what what have you seen from this team to make you feel like they're going to make a run? And I get it. Some people want people to keep eyes on them and the product and the ratings and all that kind of stuff and keep watching. Look, I get all that. But I don't feel like you have to do it. Like, if you roll with the State of the Saints podcast, you're going to roll with the State of the Saints podcast. Rather, the Saints are winning or they're losing. I, I'm not trying to instill hope inside something that I at this particular time don't believe in I, I'm serious if you want to if you want to make a believe out of me let's make a run out of this thing I, I like the fact that they they did some things that desperate teams do let on yesterday if you're watching this on a Monday night I liked how they they showed a level of desperation because I just feel like when you're desperate you try to do everything in your power to make it work I like that Man, I like the energy of them being innovative. But let's try to see if we can make a, a run out this thing before I start to get excited about the direction of this team and what they're going to do. I mean, I, I like the fact that Chris Olave, you know what I'm saying, it, it balled out. I like the fact that they actually utilized him, not just, 
you know, in, in soft in soft spots and have him running slants. They they took advantage of his his ability to be able to get the ball down the field. And you know, Andy Dalton, you know, it was a really good pass that he threw. I mean, he was under pressure, under the rest. If he probably would have held that ball a second longer, it probably wouldn't have been completed. I mean, it was a great it was a great pass. The defense, you know, they played really good. I think a lot of I think that a lot of things that have been plaguing the Saints when it comes to luck or bad luck, uh, it kind of worked in their favor this game. You know, if Matthew Stafford would have stayed in this game, who knows what would have happened. But luckily for the Saints, you know, he didn't. And, you know, you got yourself a, a quarterback who probably didn't get any reps. He comes into the game and you may be able to make the adjustments and you're able to get yourself a victory. So I like the fact that they use they use Andy Dalton and Taysom Hill in this game. I think that was a plus because you should get Taysom Hill involved. I like the fact that they utilize Alvin Kamara in different ways. You know, you had him almost running like wide receiver screens. I didn't like that triple reverse, but, you know, if Andy Dalton would have looked to his left, it would have worked. Um, I like the fact that they used the balance. They tried to run the football, you know, with Taysom and and, and uh, Alvin Kamara. And even uh, David uh, Johnson got some carries. And I feel like uh, David Johnson, I think that he can be a really good change of pace back, you know, and, and really do some things too. So if they could continue this momentum that they had, then, you know, of course I'd be excited, but you have to excuse me for being a little bit pessimistic about this football team, because I've seen this before and I still don't believe in a head coach. I still don't believe in Andy Dalton. And I still don't believe that this team has just completely absolved themselves of all the things that has been ticking us off all season long but the good news about all this is uh your division is terrible uh the nfc as a whole is terrible and everybody can pretty much beat anybody no matter what the record is right even philadelphia you know they 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 uh you know tweaked out a win you know against indianapolis but they're not unstoppable and then you have like the giants you know they got beat to sleep by the lions uh the minnesota vikings who had one loss got beat to sleep by the cowboys so Everybody can beat anybody. But as we turn to the San Francisco 49ers game, this is really going to be a tough task for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, the 49ers are better than the Rams. Even when the Rams are good, the 49ers still always seem to have their number. Uh, Kyle Shanahan is a really good coach. And we know that they like to run the football. So let's see what they're, they're made out of going up against a team that is physical, a team that is innovative, and a team that pretty much got hand, all hands on deck for the most part. I mean, even though they lost Trey Lance at the beginning of the season, this is basically what this team looked like last year when Jimmy Garoppolo uh, was the quarterback. So let's see where we're at. Let's take it one game at a time. Um, I, look, that, that whole one and old thing I believe in, but I'm not going to feed that to the masses because I want people to watch what I'm doing. All right. Um, I, if anybody is skeptical about their football team as well within their rights, um, I know some people feel like, you know, the Saints won. Now they want to infiltrate other Saints fans groups and talk about all oh, y'all done gave up like your fandom depends on it based on like your team sucking and you not saying that they suck or something like what, what kind of stuff is that? Like if, if I got a booger in my nose, right? You know what I'm saying? Like that don't mean you're a good friend just because you don't tell me I got a booger in my nose. Let me know. Right. That You know, like some of these some of these Saints fans out here feel like. Because they don't talk about how bad the team has been. 
they feel like that's that that's their fandom right there. Like they feel like they as well within their rights. Like, no, that makes you delusional. Anybody that don't call out this team and just feel like, oh man, everything just gonna be poop pile playoffs. Like you delusional. You out your freaking mind. But I'm happy they got the win. So I would love to hear from you all. I'm gonna go ahead and read some of your comments and we'll go from there. Uh we'll start right here with Matthew. Matthew says, I'm definitely uh not advocating for any uh Dalton because uh, Andy Dalton, uh, because he sucked the last two of the three games. But you have to give him credit. He had a quarterback rating of 149.6. He played great except for taking uh, that's taking the say. Well, Matthew, look, I give him credit for, you know, the way that he played. But that, like, that doesn't absolve him from how bad he's been playing over the last couple of games. Like, let, like let's just be 100. This dude don't have enough Saints quarterback capital for us to like just look the other way like that I'm, I'm serious that's like a dude that's garbage or, or a dude that can't really shoot and you know what i'm saying from the outside at the park right and then one day you know what i'm saying he plays on a team and they start dishing them ball he just started hitting them, like four five six of them in a row like does that mean that all of a sudden he's steph curry no that just means that he had a good day so all i'm saying is do it again I don't feel like I'm I'm sorry. Like somebody might be smacking their lips hearing me say that, but do it again. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious. This is equivalent. This is equivalent to a person, a man or woman who mentally abuses you like all the time, like mentally abuses you. And then all of a sudden they just show up with a gift and put it next to you and walk out. Like, does that absolve them from all the mental abuse that they cause you? Do, you know what I'm saying? Like, does that that does that change anything? You know what I'm saying? Like, make, like saying all kind of stuff to you to hurt you. But all of a sudden, here come a gift right here. That's, that's supposed to absolve you? Like, that. Like, come on, man. Give me a break. Like, you prove it in your actions. And, and it don't just happen just one time. It has to be a reoccurring thing. Like I said, I will give him credit for a great performance. But that still don't negate the fact that he's been stinging it up. Like, you got to put this thing together, man. You know, you got to put this thing together in order for you to, for us to, like, really, truly believe in you. Now, if they go on this run and Andy Dalton kind of, you know, do some things and, you know what I'm saying, and get the Saints over the hump, then yes. You know, like, everybody, you know, man, by all means. But for anybody that has, like, raises the people's eyebrow, you know, anybody that raised the people eyebrow at, at Andy Dalton, I feel like it's well within their rights. And, you know, like anybody that's coming at people for being skeptical, I feel like they wrong. And it's rather you've been living in a delusional world for the last couple of weeks or, I mean, you just don't know what the hell you're talking about. Uh, was both, uh, let me see, was both gold uh, and ticked about the win? Uh, obviously, uh, why I was glad, uh, uh, tick because da uh, job was saved for another week yeah i mean look I, I will say this um the fact that the new orleans saints did not quit or they did not phone it in and they still playing hard really just truly shows you that you know they they respect they respect um dennis allen if this team would have went out there and just kind of phoned it in like, I think you pretty much can, you know, say that the writing's on the wall. It's like almost like Matt Rule, right? When the when the Panthers, I want to say, played the 49ers, they just flat out quit. 
and it was just pretty much the writing on the wall for Matt Rule. The Saints have been dealing with issues, quarterback issues, all these type of things, and yet this team still mustered up the ability to go out there and play hard. So as, as much as a lot of people may not like this, and I'm one of them, as long as they continue to play for this guy and they play hard, it's going to give the Saints more and more confidence about bringing Dennis Allen back next year. I still feel like things going to repeat itself because, once again, I just still don't feel like this dude is the right coach. I don't feel like he's a good coach. And I don't feel like this win changes my mind about anything. Like, it's still – I still feel like he's not a good coach. But they can bring him back if they want to. But I think – I, I could be wrong. But I just feel like, you know, it's going to be the same thing again. It might be even worse. But, hey, who knows? Who that family? Hope y'all been uh, doing well. Uh, make sure y'all have a good Thanksgiving and be safe. Well, Ghost, thank you, man. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Thank you for the kind words. Shouts out to you. Uh, let's see. I still don't think there's uh, nowhere near a playoff team. Oh, yeah. No. Look, I, I, I don't know what it was. I, look, <laughs> I don't know what it was. I, I'm going to be a little bit of a conspiracy theorist. Um, the fact that they've been stinking it up, um, the fact that people ain't really – you know, was talking about not coming to the game. Tickets was as low as $18 on game day. I don't know if somebody part of the Saints trust. They was like, man, look, look, if we're going to lose, let's go lose with some style. Let's, let's, let's be creative. Let's do some things, you know what I'm saying, to put some behinds and seats. Because I ain't going to lie. I mean, they it was almost like the, you, you know, like on those cartoons, they'd be like, when they threw that pass down the field, that's kind of how I felt, right? You remember them cartoons when they do that double take, they'd be like, Bleow! you know, that's how I look. Looking at the Saints throw a deep pass down the field. Like the pass is like few and far in between. It's like when you see it, it's like, man, wow, a deep pass for real? It, it's like they was coming up, they played like, that was the first game they played like that all season long. Like they was creative. They were trying to do some things offensively. They were trying to generate excitement. So I don't know if that, that came from them or somebody like from the trust was like, hey, man, y'all need to do something. Okay. Like, okay, I understand we got all these injuries, but let's try to see, let's try to make this thing fun and exciting for people. Because at the end of the day, these owners, they, they want your money. They want you to spend your money coming to these games. So I don't know if somebody had a tough conversation or somebody said something to these boys, but they, they were doing a lot of things that we weren't used to seeing. But it, maybe maybe they needed to see that. And there was a lot of positive things you can take from this game. And I hope that they, they actually learn from this game. Because I'm going to tell you this. When Peyton Turner went out, it kind of changed the way that they were playing defensively. And I think they found a little bit of a diamond in a rough, rough when it comes to the pass rush. I'm telling y'all right now, um, Caden Ellis could possibly be like one of those guys, like a, I ain't saying he going to be TJ White, but he could be like a TJ White, Khalil Mack type dude, Luke Keekley type dude. I'm telling you, he could be one of them dudes. If you look at the NFL, and I said this earlier today on Twitter, if you look at the NFL, there's a lot of these hybrid type defensive I mean, these linebackers slash pass rushers who have the speed, who have the agility 
to get past these bigger offensive linemen and give them fits. It's hard for them to catch them. By the time they're putting their hands out, this guy's past them and, and getting to the quarterback. And Caden Ellis can be one of those guys. And I kind of feel bad for a guy like Zach Bowen. I know we we may talk about Zach Bowen, but maybe it's the fact that the Saints, the way they're trying to play him, doesn't fit his skill set. So a lot of the years he's been with the New Orleans Saints probably held him back. Because how many times do we see the Saints play a certain type of defense, right? And we see players play for the team. And they may be okay, decent. Decent enough to get themselves a contract somewhere else. And they go somewhere else, and they're catching a bunch of interceptions. They're getting a bunch of sacks. They, they, they like, plan out their mind. So I do think schemes kind of matter. And it made me kind of feel bad for a guy like Zach Bond, who we've seen in college, who played mostly like a linebacker, you know, pass rushing type. So who's to say if the New Orleans Saints played Zach Bond like, like Denver played Von Miller? I'm not comparing him to Von Miller, but I'm just saying if they played him like that, right? Rushing a quarterback instead of like trying to chase down tight ends and running backs, something that he really didn't do at the University of Wisconsin. Who's to say that that guy couldn't have been like something special? And I feel like maybe that's something that the Saints may need to do. Now, even though the Saints, as crazy as this sounds, lead the league in sacks, I feel like you probably can get more production if you start using guys like Caden Ellis and using guys like Zach Bond to rush the quarterback. I feel like you probably can get a lot of production, and I think a lot of and, and you probably get something out of these guys that they haven't shown. I think sometimes like we we just kind of write guys off because maybe it's just not the right fit. You know, I, I was thinking about this too. Um, as I was uh I was cleaning up my house today and I was like listening to trust levels, you know, with uh, Cam Jordan and Mark Ingram. And Mark Ingram was talking about when he first got drafted to the New Orleans Saints, how they wanted him to be like almost like a, you know what I'm saying, a base, you know what I'm saying, running back, right? Almost like like a Derrick Henry type, you know, like running back. And he was talking about how that really didn't fit his style a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like he wanted them to kind of change some things up to make things a little bit better for him. And how in the first couple of years of the in the league, they they tried to use him like this battering ram type running back, and that's just not who he was. And then you know what I'm saying when the Saints start to like when he started to develop and he started catching the ball out of the backfield and he started to get more familiar with the choice routes, you know, working alongside Darren Sproles, he got better. But he was like, you know, that's the reason why a lot of us, you know, we're like, man, Mark Ingram a bust. But the Saints were asking him to do something that he, at that time, he wasn't comfortable with. And, it, you know, we, he started to get labeled. So I'm just wondering to myself, like, how many guys have we labeled? Because you think about it, right? C.J. Gardner-Johnson played a lot of, you know what I'm saying, box safety. You know what I'm saying? Like, or nickel corner. Like, you play a lot in the box, right? Versus him playing for the Eagles, he's not really playing the box like that. So he basically playing in the middle of the field. He can basically pick his poison. You know what I'm saying? They make plays. So how many guys have we written off because maybe their skill set didn't fit what the New Orleans Saints are doing? And the Caden Ellis experience on yesterday kind of made me feel a certain type of way. Like, man, maybe, maybe we, we give these guys these labels and we say they suck 
because maybe the Saints are asking these guys to do things that they're not comfortable with doing. Or, you know what I'm saying, you're not utilizing these guys' skill set to the best of their ability. You know, I mean, I'm just saying, like, I understand when you go to come to the National Football League, it's an adjustment. I get all that. But I'm just wondering how many guys that we just said sucked or we just kind of threw out because what the Saints were asking them to do, they weren't effective. Like, I know we pick on, I know we pick on Tyron Matthew, right? We, we talk about Tyron Matthew. We talk about, oh, man, he looked like a bust. But think about this. Go back and, and, and I'm, man, I'm telling you, by listening to that conversation, it really made me just go back and take a look and look at some, look at some footage. A, a lot of the issues that we have with Tyron Matthew has a lot to do with how the Saints are asking him to play versus like how Houston asked him to play, how Kansas City asked him to play, how Arizona asked him to play. If you don't believe me, go back and watch those games. Go back and watch Tyron Matthew and the defense that they was running in Arizona and in Houston and in Kansas City. And you tell me, if you you tell me maybe that's the reason why he's not all over the field catching interceptions or that's why he's not making plays left and right. I, I'm telling you, man, like, I don't think, like, yes, when guys start to get older, they slow down. Maybe the instincts don't hit as quickly. I get all that. But a guy just don't fall off like that. Like, they just don't. And maybe, like I said, looking at the way that Kansas City asked the Honey Badger to play, it's completely different with the, the Saints asking. I don't think it's like, I really don't think it's a coincidence that guys start to be playmakers when they go to other teams versus, you know what I'm saying, like being a little bit of a playmaker doing their job with the New Orleans Saints. Like, I'm, I'm serious. Like, go back and take a look, man. I think a lot of the problems that we have has a lot to do with what this team is asking these guys to do defensively. But like I said, if 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 Peyton Turner didn't go out, I don't think we would have seen some of the things we've seen out of Caden Ellis because the Saints came into the game, Tano Passanio, Carl Granderson, right? Those were like, you know, and, and Peyton Turner were like the three – Defensive end, you know what I'm saying? That was going to be rotating throughout the game. But when he went out, it, it made the Saints kind of change their they defense, right? And that's when you had Caden Ellis, you know what I'm saying, basically, you know, trying to be in a, be in a pass rushing role. And maybe that's, like I said, maybe that's just his thing. Maybe that can be his calling card. Maybe he could be that guy. And I hope that the Saints kind of pay attention to that because you're, you're not really seeing, like, you know, man, the, the Michael Strahan's, the Giant Randalls, I mean, the, you know, the Randall McDaniels, like these guys were like 6'5", 280. But if you start looking at some of these pass rushes, like, you know, like like uh, Hutchison, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 you know, and Nick Bosa, like these guys aren't like 280, 290. These guys are like 250, 260. And I think that that speed, it, it gives these offensive linemen fit. Because they're so fast and they're so quick, you know what I'm saying, off that snap. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I know that was a little bit too long and trying to draw it out, but I just wanna I just wanna put this thing into I just wanna put this into context and, and I want people to understand like maybe the issues that we have is not the players themselves, it's more so the, the schemes that they're running. And it's just the best fit for these guys, you know, because 
I don't know, man. I, I really don't know. Even after missing two games, Pete Warner still has the most tackles on the entire Saints team. We really need him back ASAP. Well, yeah, I mean, look, we know that uh, Pete Warner is a, a really good uh, linebacker, and he's only going to get better. And I, I like the fact that, you know, he's a guy that, that runs around the field, uh, and he's only going to get better. Like, he, he, took, he took a step forward from his rookie year uh, to his sophomore year, and I just think that he's going to get better as time progresses. Uh, Tyron, let's see, agreed, TJ. Uh, coma is a B, uh, you get how you live. Uh, karma, I guess you mean karma. Uh, my, uh, Marcus Williams and Von Bell and CJ, uh, should still be here. Yeah. I mean, here's the, here's the reality trail. The way that the say it, it has, that goes, to, I mean, it goes back to what I'm saying. The Saints feel like the defense that they run, having that, you know, having that, that box safety, if you can, you know what I'm saying, you can make tackles and. Maybe, you know what I'm saying, guard the tight ends and make sure, you know what I'm saying, you get the pass deflections. They feel like they can basically run this with anybody that's serviceable, right? So they really just don't pay safeties. They 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 just don't pay safeties because they feel like the, the defense that they run, anybody basically can do that. But I just feel like it, it made a huge mistake. Like, first off, with Marcus Williams, like, the way that he can just cover field, like... I know some people have their problems with Marcus Williams talking about his tackling and all that kind of stuff there. But as far as like range, like he's probably the best safety in football when it comes to range. I never forget that week one game versus the Houston Texans when Deshaun Watson threw a pass to DeAndre Hopkins. This dude covered like 20 yards of field to come a clean across the field to jump in front of DeAndre Hopkins and catch that interception. When you have a when you have a safety that has that type of range, that's special, and you're not going to find that er everywhere, you know. So, I, I think the way that the Saints play defensively, they feel like the the safeties are interchangeable. But what the problem is, they they man, if they can't draft anything, they can draft some safeties. Like if you got a problem with anything the Saints have done, one thing you cannot deny, they can draft a safety. Every safety, for the most part, the Saints have drafted in the past decade and has been in a starting rotation, has worked out. I mean, from Kenny Vaccaro, uh, Mal Malcolm Jenkins, you know what I'm saying, even though he started off as a cornerback, he moved to safety. But then you have Marcus Williams, you got Von Bell, you got C.J. Garner-Johnson. When you have guys that's in that starting rotation, more, more times than not, they work out. But the thing about it is, man, they're they're they're, they're so good that when they go to other teams, you know what I'm saying, they become all pros and, and, and you're pro bowlers. And why is that? Because these guys are talented. And I, I feel bad because there were a lot of times when we probably criticized these guys, but we weren't taking into account maybe, you know, they could have been suited by running a different type of, of defense. Like how many, like based on what these dudes are doing, it's basically a shame that these guys weren't leading the league in interceptions as a member of the New Orleans Saints. So I think we got to ask ourselves, why is that? Why is that? Why is it that you got these teams out here that's catching interceptions left and right? The Saints only got two as of right now. I mean, I'm just wondering. Uh, let's see. Trey Henderson uh, should be here. Well, look, I, I don't know about that. I, I don't know about that because... I can understand the Saints' way of thinking 
by letting him go. Now, it wasn't my, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I want him to be here. And I, I, I even said this. Like, I, I, it was during the time when the Saints were trying to go after uh, Jadavion Clowney. And I was like, why would you go after Jadavion Clowney? Like, you got a guy in Trey Hendrickson that is going to be a talented guy. And, and one guy was like, man, Trey Hendrickson ain't going to do nothing. He, he ain't going to never be nothing but a, rotated, a rotation guy. And I said, I guarantee you, I said, you're going you gonna to look at this, this comment one day and you're going to regret making this, like making this comment. I'm like, he's going to be a, he's going to be a starter for somebody the next year. And this guy arguing me up and down, but that was the year with, you know, Trey Hendrickson had what, about 15 sacks for the Saints and, and he get a big deal with Cincinnati, but I can understand why the Saints didn't do it. They didn't do it because they felt like, well, it's a contract year. Kind of the same thing what happened with Von Bell. Von Bell was kind of up and down, and then everything just kind of came together uh, in his last uh, season as a Saint. But a lot of teams look at this like, well, you know, you you basically running with empty pockets, or you playing with empty pockets right now. So how much of this is, you know, you just trying to get paid versus are we going to see this constantly? So. And then you combine the fact that Trey Hendrickson was always hurt. Like, I remember, like, I want to say, like, he had, like, the one year, I think he had, like, six or seven sacks. Like, he started off the gate, he had, like, four sacks. And, you know what I'm saying? And, like, what? What he had, like, he had four sacks after two games, right? And then he got a neck injury, and he was out for, like, five games. And So I can understand why the Saints didn't do it. But I know what some people will probably say, well, what about Davenport? I mean, I can't exp- I can't explain it. I-, I can't. Maybe maybe they look at oh, well, this was our first round draft pick, and maybe you know, like teams don't really like to admit when they make mistakes. Like they they want everybody to feel like they got everything together, so they'll double down on the foolishness even when they get exposed. So maybe that has something to do with it. But at the end of the day, you know, Trey Hendrickson is doing a really good job out there in Cincinnati. Got himself a Super Bowl appearance, and uh, he he's one of the anchors on that defensive line. So, I mean, in hindsight, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? He should have stayed, but at the end of the day, like, you got to kind of pick and choose. Uh, Keen Mix was played out of position when he was a Saint uh, Ninkovich, too. Well, look, I, I think that had a lot to do with also. Um, look. When it comes to Akeem Hicks, that had a lot to do with the division of the locker room. There was a locker room cancer. And, um, you know, the Saints, they, they, they're they pretty adamant about uh, the years about 2014 to 2016 when the locker room was just, you know, kind of divided, uh, clicks and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, Akeem Hicks had a lot to do with that. You know, we, we I think one of his uh, interviews he did where he was criticizing the team and he don't want that type of energy. You know, you don't want that type of energy in the locker room. You you just don't. Like, it's one thing when guys have, like, an attitude and they're wired a different way. Like, you kind of deal with that because, I mean, it's just the way guys are. But when you start, like, putting that stuff out there in the atmosphere, and it, you know, it gives people opportunities to critique what's going on in the locker room and, and letting people see, you know what I'm saying, like, you know, break the fourth wall. It, it's, uh, it's not a good look. And uh, I can understand why the Saints got rid of him. You know, but at the end of the day, like, you know, he was talented. I mean, I'm pretty sure the Saints knew he was talented, but they just felt like it wasn't worth the headache. And as far as Nikovich, I mean, look, that, that goes back to what I was saying earlier. Sometimes things just don't work out. Things just don't work out in a, in a certain team, and then they go somewhere else, 
and you know the light comes on because maybe you know the team is asking them to do something or maybe they kind of get more in depth about who the player actually is and puts them in a position to succeed so i can understand that and then also when nikovic i mean this was it was during the time when you know the saints were trying to figure it out themselves like they were trying to figure out like you know how can we make a championship team i mean and that was just one of those unfortunate circumstances sometimes you know it's hit sometimes it miss you know it's hit and miss sometimes aka the scientist thank you very much for two dollars says uh we got the win yeah that's all that's always a good thing uh we need to get uh go get melvin gordon the broncos just cut him uh i'm good on melvin gordon um look we was ticked off like i don't know what a couple weeks ago about mark ingram what's wrong with mark ingram he fumbling football two straight weeks man this dude got five fumbles right now you know what i'm saying like look melvin gordon i don't like his energy i don't like his attitude um and then like i said when when people start getting frustrated and all that kind of stuff going to the media whining and boohooing and stuff and i just kind of look at you like sideways you know like it just it's just one of those weird situations like you know your team win but you still up here whining about carries now if, if your team is losing you feel like you can add something to it then i'm for about it but this man was up here talking about like talking about the team and a win and then on top of that you know what i'm saying they had to rise above the circumstance of you fumbling no nah, i'm good on melvin gordon you know like you gotta like i don't know man you gotta humble yourself a little bit like i i get it it can be a frustrating situation like when things going wrong and maybe your teammates y'all you know, ain't getting along but dude like i can understand like if every time you touching the ball like you you you, you acting you know what I'm saying you acting a plum fool with it but like your team is behind an eight ball because you fumbling like they had opportunity to go up in that game yesterday if you're watching this on a monday and he fumbled on the goal line you know like come on man like you can't like you can't be sitting up here pouting and stuff like that when you the problem like you add to the problem nah brother nah i'm good on the melvin gordon thing man i, I hope like look i hope he finds a team just not the saints uh, the Saints need two safeties and then allow Matthew to roam as a playmaker, linebackers, but they don't uh, want to use him uh, at that role, nor do we have safeties to cover uh, key back. Uh, let me let me say this, Anthony. Uh, look, if the Saints was like that traditional 4-3 uh, team they was at 4-3 uh, uh, like they used to be, I, I think that you'll probably see Tyron Matthew Beeson. You know what I'm saying? But I just think that the way that they – play defense like yesterday i keep saying yesterday but i guess it's tuesday here but probably monday for y'all but sunday uh because of peyton turner being out they had to play a lot more base defense you know like you know because of the loss of peyton turner but i I just think that if you played that more of a traditional four three defense probably you probably see him eating and i think that a lot of people would see a difference in the way that he plays I mean, come on, man. You're asking a five foot nine, 185 pound dude to play box safety, you know? And people are like, man, he's getting ran over. Like, that's ain't, it's not really his lane. He probably, I mean, he's done that before, but that's not the that's not the dominant defense that Kansas City ran, Houston ran, Arizona ran. You know what I'm saying? Like he he was able to kind of be on some Earl Thomas stuff at times. You know, like you play the middle of the field, you know, you kind of can, you know, pick your spots. And he was the last line of defense. 
But it's it just like you playing box safety, you up there, you know, people play runs, you know, when them play run support and all that kind of stuff. Like, come on, man. Like, I, I feel like a lot of the, like, based on what I'm seeing and what he has done and what I'm telling you, like, go back and watch. Don't just watch his highlights. Maybe go back and watch a game like Kansas City or something. You know, matter of fact, I tell you what, go back and watch that game. It was, it was the divisional round. It was the Houston Texans against the Kansas City Chiefs. I think it was. It may have been a game where he went out in a concussion, but go back and watch that game before he went out, and, and go watch that defense and how you know what I'm saying how they was playing, and you tell me if that's the same defense because he was eating. He was eating, man. So I don't know, man. Sometimes I just feel like we pick on these guys, but maybe, maybe the defense has a lot to do with some of the issues that we have with these guys. TJ, you should become the head coach of the Saints. Now nah, I'm good on that. <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. Uh, could be uh, several years down the line, but I feel like one day CJ will find his way back on this team one day. Well, look, I, I just hope the brother get paid at this particular point. I, I just hope he gets paid. The man deserves to get paid. Um, I thought it was a mistake to Saints. Um you know, getting rid of him in the first place, that was a power move. That was more so like DA uh trying to flex his muscle, like, man, I'm the you know what I'm saying, I'm the I'm the new sheriff in town. And but it, it just kind of just backfired on you. You know, like the thing that you felt like, you know, he couldn't give you, it was it was it was huge. You know, like you probably talking about X's and O's, but the energy that he he brought to the field, the you know, the love that he had for his teammates, like that stuff matters. And when you have guys on the sidelines, you know what I'm saying, clapping it up and dapping it up and, you know, and bringing that energy, like it's not so much about his play. I mean, we all know that he's good. It's obvious that he's good. You know, it, it's been a, like, honestly, it's probably beneficial to him that he went to Philly because we know how the media does, you know, like that, that's one of those teams that, uh, they just love to talk about the NFC East, which they deserve to be talked about this year. I can't even hate on them. Like, NFC East as a whole deserves to be talked about because they're one of the best divisions in football. But him going to the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, being in that big market where, you know, they get a lot of attention is, is beneficial to him. And, you know, he's good, but, you know, the way that he's playing is going to be amplified because of where he plays. But I just think that the Saints just missed out. You know, I think that you should have paid the guy. Um, I remember his rookie season. Like, I'll never forget this. It was a fourth and two. Uh, San Francisco 49ers, ironically, uh, were playing against the Saints. And that was that whole George Kittle thing. Y'all remember George Kittle, drag dude, about 20 yards. But C.J. Gardner-Johnson got beat on it, right? And he went to the locker room. And what made me, like, have so much respect for this dude, I'll never forget this. When he said... He said, man, he got me to date. He said, it's good. He said, I'm a rookie, man. He said, I'm learning. I'm growing. He said, but he said, I ain't about to let that get to me. He said, I bet you ain't going to do it again. When I seen it, when I, I mean, he was dead serious. I was like, man, the Saints got something there. And that's why I said, you know, like it, it's been times I was like, man, this dude might be one of the most important New Orleans Saints that they have. And he and, and he was like as you can see he was like he wasn't the like when when it comes to like okay when it comes to who's better out of Marcus Williams and him like I feel like Marcus Williams is better but who means more to the team 
He does. You know, and you can't replace that. Like, you cannot replace that. You cannot replace that energy. Like, if you play basketball or you play football or baseball or soccer, if you have a teammate that's encouraging you, I don't care if the you, from the from the from the biggest dog on the team to the most slow dude on the team. But the dude that's slow, he probably feel like he a dog too because you have that one guy on the team that's always encouraging and always inspiring a guy to be the best. And that's what C.J. Garner-Johnson was. And um, you, you can't replace that. Like, I, I see some of that in Elante Taylor. You know, I, I like Elante Taylor, the fact that, you know, you know he, he said uh, in an interview, he talked about, you know, Marshawn Lattimore, he's like, he said, man, I'm trying to be cornerback number one. And he understands that. I like that energy. But there was just something about, you know, C.J. Garner-Johnson was unapologetically himself. and Maybe, you know what I'm saying, like more traditional, uh, you know, sports fans, football fans may not like that. But, you know, saying like, who cares? Right. Some some people, they they want the the buzz cut, button up to the top politicking uh, football player that always says the right things, always does the right, you know, always does the right things to shake the hands, to kiss the babies. Like, man, come on, man. This is a new wave. Like these these cats, they wired different. And um, he's rather you get with it or get lost. So, yeah, I, I just, uh, I got a lot of respect for that dude. So I hope he get paid. You got a point. I was thinking uh, he goes somewhere else and be great uh, talking about Melvin Gordon. Well, look, um, I ain't got no problem with that. I don't. Like, I don't, look, I don't wish the man bad. I, I don't. I Look. I want all these dudes to succeed. I want them to get their money. I want them to have great health and all that. But let's just be real about this, man. Like Melvin Gordon has a fumbling issue. And no matter how good you are, if you putting that ball on the ground, bruh, you know what I'm saying? Like ain't nobody going to mess with you like that. And you playing a running back position? Mm-mm. I mean, y'all remember, man, for all my football historians and people that's been rolling with football for a long time, man, y'all remember Tiki Barber? Tiki Barber coming out of Virginia, pretty good running back. Had a fumbling problem. Had to change the way that he held the football and everything. Y'all remember that that funny looking, you know what I'm saying, hold he had, used to hold the ball high and tight like this when he running because he had a fumbling issue. And no matter how good you are, right, you know what I mean, you can, break, you can break this one, break that one, but if you have a fumbling issue, if you're suffering from fumbleitis, you ain't going to see the field. So that... No, I think Sean Payton said it best. I mean, when you holding the football, you holding people's livelihoods, you holding people's houses, dreams, families, all that in your hand. So when you put it on the ground, you know what I'm saying? Like you letting the team down. So I hope that he, man, first off, you know, you got to get these fumbling issues under control. I don't know what you need to call. I don't know what you need to work with. I don't know what you need to do. I mean, maybe you need they need to do it like Omar Epps did on the program. You remember he had a fumbling issue and, the coach was telling the teammates, like, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, man, just walk around, try to see if you can get him to fumble. And he was, like, sitting in the class. He dozed off. And somebody, <laughs> and somebody knocked the ball out of his hand. Maybe he need to do that or something, like, help him work on his fumbling problem. But you ain't going nowhere. I don't care how good you are. Like, Melvin Gordon has been a really good running back in the league. He's had some injuries over his career. But he's uh he's been steady, you know, over, over his career. But. Bro, nothing will get you out the league quicker. 
then you putting that ball on the ground. I can tell you that right now. I don't care how good you are. I don't care if you got the, the looseness of a Barry Sanders. You got the quickness of a Tyreek Hill. Look, if you fumbling a football, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Uh, my daddy raised me on the Cowboys. Fortunately, I learned better and did better. <laughs> well, look, I, I can't even hit on the Cowboys this year. Cowboys doing a real good job, man. And um, based on how the NFC looking, man, it might sound crazy, but they might end up in a Super Bowl. I mean, that's my worst nightmare. Lord knows. I, I can't boy, I can't stand them cowboy fans, but they they look like they they legit. Like Minnesota was supposed to be that team. They beating Buffalo and all that kind of stuff there. And then all of a sudden, you know, here come the Cowboys. Wouldn't that be crazy though? What if the Cowboys and the Bills hit the Super Bowl again? Like, and it'd be like the 90s. I boy, boy, Skip Bills probably have a heart attack. Uh, TJ, do you think you will do film study uh, so the Who That Nation can visually see what you're talking about with Honey Badger? Nah, man, I'm not really on a on a film study type tip, man. Like, I, I was, I would ask, like, I would suggest, I would suggest, like, people that be doing like them all 22s, like Deuce and all Deuce Winham and all them guys. Like, somebody asked them that question as far as you know um, with the Honey Badger and and. Ask him, is there a difference? And he'll be able to break it down. Like, I'm look, do I do do I understand offensive and decent uh defensive concepts? Absolutely. I do. You know, do I do I understand instincts and all that kind of stuff? Yes, I do. But um, as far as like breaking it down, that, that's just not my thing, man. And um, I try to just I mean, I, I try to, you know, defer those to like the people that really take the time to do those things. Uh, Jeff Nowak, uh, another one of my guys, you know what I'm saying? He's really good at it too. But, you know, like I said, man, you can tell. Like, you can really tell. Like, I'm telling you, like, for anybody that may be interested, go back and watch that game, Houston Texans versus Kansas City Chiefs. Look at the defense they was running. Look the way that he was playing in that game. Now, there was some times where he was coming down, you know what I'm saying, in the box safety, but there was plenty of times where he was not. And I just think that that's something that maybe – Maybe that's the reason why a lot of us feel the way we do about him. And it's not a, any fault of his. It's mostly what the Saints are asking him to do. TJ, a perfect fit for a Saints head coach. No, I am not. <laughs> no, I'm not. Everybody like the Cowboys, Saints, or a culture. Uh, I think everybody, look, I think the Cowboys, when it comes down to it, okay, you got to remember, man, from a historical uh, perspective, like in the 70s, Okay, before they had like the Carolina teams, right? Um, Atlanta wasn't really that good. And then on top of that, I mean, with the Cowboys, it was more like, I mean, what they stood for, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, yeah, Roger Starback, you know, former military guy, you know, Mr. Mr. Button up to the top. You had Drew Pearson, you know what I'm saying? The pretty boy and all that kind of stuff. Afro, uh, you know what I'm saying? Big belt buckle, cowboy hat. It was the lifestyle that people fell in love with. And then not not to mention, um, you know, then when the 80s hit, I mean, you had the, the famous show called Dallas that was out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, JR and all these boys there. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was, it was, a, it was a lifestyle. So you had a lot of people who grew up liking, you know what I'm saying, the Dallas Cowboys based on, like, the lifestyle that those guys lived, the, the, the polarizing figures that they were. And you had parents that passed that love on to, you know, their kids. So I think that has a lot to do with it. It's almost like 
you know, where you grew up at, right? So you grew up in New Orleans. Some of us have kids, right? And, you know, we going to the game. We watching the Saints games. We got our Saints shirt on. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like you online shopping NFL.com. You buying, you know what I'm saying? You buying Saint jersey for your son or for your daughter, right? And, and you're trying to instill that love for the Saints inside of them. So I feel like it's the same way. And um, now I think that's one of the main reasons why people like the Cowboys so much. I mean, as far as what people have told me, because I mean, I'm out here in South Carolina and you you have people who love the Cowboys more than they love the Panthers. And the Panthers, like, they're like three hours away from here, from where I'm at in Myrtle Beach. So I just think that it's just a matter of like how you grew, you know, how you grew up, what's been instilled inside of you. And a lot of the, like the OGs, the triple OGs, uh, you know, they were Cowboy fans. So that's where a lot of that comes from. I'm going to stroll down a little bit, folks. Let's see. Uh, we got 137 people watching, only 46 likes. Come on, people. Uh, yeah, man, if you like the show, go ahead and hit the like button. We got 158 people watching this right now. So hit the like button if, you, if you're enjoying the show. Hit the subscribe button if you have not already. Uh, at practice, coach used to make us uh, hold the ball all day, and coaches would randomly walk around and try to punch it out. You fumble, you run. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the way it is. Like, ball security is key. And um, that's a lot of drills. That's, you know, that's a, that's a lot of drills that coaches you. You know, trying to punch the ball out. Um, wet ball drills is another. You know what I'm saying? Like, not just on rainy days, but just to make you, you know what I'm saying, you know, have that ball security. And, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of coaches still use that to this day. But you got to hold on to the football, man. I don't care how good you are. If you can't hold on to the football, you ain't you ain't going for it. CJ Garner Johnson was like, you either love him or hate him. That's how he was, and that's polarizing. Yeah, I mean – He's not, he was a quiet taste. You know, like I said, most, you know, I'm just being real. A lot of people, I don't want to say a lot of people, but you have a, a majority, I want to say majority. You have your fair share of individuals in Louisiana. They're traditionalists. You know, like they, they look at a, a certain football player, they expect for you to be a certain way. And if you don't fit that mold or fit that image, you know, then all of a sudden, you know what I'm saying, they kind of write you off or they don't have anything for you. You know, I just think that people just need to understand, man, it's a different age. You know, I was seeing somebody, like, I, I heard somebody say this on WWL radio, and it stuck with me. And it was, I think it was last week when the Saints played Pittsburgh. And guy got on the radio was like, I'd rather see a guy go out there, you know, and, and mess up but have a scowl on his face and frustration than a guy standing on the sideline smiling, you know, and, and looking, you know what I'm saying, and looking happy when the team is down. I'm like, what kind of stuff is that? Like, you, it's, it's pretty obvious, like, what he was implying. You know, basically it was implying that, you know, Andy Dalton work hard and all, you know, Jameis Winston does is smile. And, you know what I'm saying, that's about it. So I just think that, you know, from that particular perspective, like, you have people out here that, that – that feel like a quarterback, a running back, a football player in general needs to look the part, right? Like I said, he needs to be a pol you know, he needs to be borderline politician, right? He needs to make you feel comfortable about the fact that you cheering for him. But look, I don't care what a guy looks like. I always said, I don't care if he's black, white, blue, like Skeeter Valentine. If a guy can play, he can play. And I just think that people need to like remove some of their prejudices when it comes to like evaluating these players. It's just as simple as that. Like, 
you know, shouts out to uh, Christian Gary. I like him a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like, cool dude, in my opinion. I ain't never had no problem with him. But I just feel like his take on C.J. Garner-Johnson and him, you know, like, rapping outside of being a, you know, a football player, I feel like that's wrong. Like, just because you ain't feeling his rap music or uh, you talking about his degrade and all that kind of stuff there, like, that shouldn't be a deal breaker. Like, a lot of these guys, you know, do outside things. Like, you know, I mean... What was that energy for Teron Armstead, right? You know, Teron Armstead made a song, Bank of America. They was playing that in the Superdome, right? But I ain't hear you go at him. You know, like, so I just don't, like, just because a guy wears his hair a certain way or he presents himself a certain way, like, that's, that's, don't give you grounds to, like, sit up here and say, I don't like this guy. Like, you don't even know him. And like I said, the modern day football player is different from the days of years past. Like, you know, you watch Bar Star, you know, like you watch all those NFL film classic, right? Guy buzz cut, you know what I'm saying? Like flannel shirt, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, shirt in his pants with some you know, some khakis on, you know what I'm saying? Some smooth boy. Like those days are over, you know what I'm saying? These dudes wearing Balenciaga and, and all this kind of stuff, man. These boys trying to be fly, flashy, and cool. It goes back to what uh, Coach Prime says, right? You know, you look good, you play good. You play good, they pay good, right? So it, it's 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 a lifestyle. And I just think that some people just need to kind of change uh, some of their thoughts and views about the modern-day football player. I mean, as far as C.J. Garner-Johnson, I ain't had no problem with it. You know, whatever, you know, get you wired and get you inspired to play. As long as you're doing a good job, I have no problem with that. And you're not being a, you know, you're not being a nuisance to society. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I love my Saints team, but we're getting worked this weekend against the 49ers. They beat the brakes off the Cardinals tonight. Well, look, I, 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 I said at the beginning of this episode, this, this game that the Saints played against the Rams does not absolve them of anything. Like, I still feel the same way I did before this game even happened about this team. This, this team gives you a bunch of a bunch of hope you know, like when they when they win the, the crazy thing about this is when the saints win it's impressive like when they win games it's impressive and that's what makes you ticked off as a fan that would really frustrate you because you're wondering to yourself why is it that you can't consistently put forth this type of effort because it's obvious that you have the talent if you can put together this type of game and performance like and, and be as impressive as you are uh, like you did against the Raiders how you did against the Rams why is it that you can't consistently do this why do you consistently get in your own way and that's the most frustrating thing about it so if they came out here and played against the 49ers and they limit the mistakes and they didn't go out there and didn't trip over their own feet like they normally have been doing over the past four or five games you know I, I just don't know, man. I, I just don't know. That's the most frustrating thing about it. But yes, you know, like all signs indicate that they should get, you know, the brakes beat off of. But I mean, we'll see. Man, they got to prove something to me. Once again, I apologize for being a pessimist, but they got to prove something to me before I start like feeling anything about them. Like I just watch the games. Like it's a like i have to basically check myself before i get to eugene i, I gotta say this it, it's I, I have to check myself to wonder if i can still feel like you ever been 
like in a in a relationship and you feel like okay man, man I, I don't know man like I, I care about this person but i don't know man like like you know i still care the way i once did like that's kind of like how i feel about watching the saints like it's crazy like i man i love this team like man my my fondest memories as a kid involved this team but it's just amazing to me the social disconnect that i have for this team as far as like what they're going to do couple years ago like you watch the saints game you looking forward to watching these boys win if they didn't win you like man you frustrated you upset because you like man this what happened but now it's like you're shocked if they win like you go into the game with no emotional investment i like man you ain't drop a pass it used to be like man i'm throwing something at the tv um picking you know what i'm saying i'm picking a pillow up slamming on the floor like i'm frustrated Right, because I tell you, I'm a podcast, but I'm a fan also. But now it's like, oh, they drive a pad. Okay. Uh, they don't go for it on fourth down when they, you know, when they need one yard. Okay, whatever. Or y'all going to punt right there. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, or y'all ain't going to use Taysom. Okay. Well, if it come out ready, okay, whatever. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel, and I feel bad for saying that. But like I say, man, it just, I, I just be watching the game. So, I don't know, man. They, they, I don't know. TJ Omar Epps is the only man to ever earn a full ride scholarship for football, basketball, and track at three different schools, even resolved that fumbling issue. Yeah, man. I mean, that is true. And not to mention, uh, he was a bad DJ himself, man. He, you know, he won a DJ competition. I can't forget that now. Can't forget that. So that man was a DJ, he's a football player, a basketball player, a track star. He a police officer on Raising Canaan. I mean, he, he was a doctor on house. Like, man, Omar, like, first off, let's get in Manny Flowers while he's here. Omar Epps is a legend, all right? I, I know, people, like, people talk about Denzel Washington. You know, they, they talk about Forrest Whitaker. They talk about Morgan Freeman. Well, well-deserved. But Omar Epps is a legend, okay? I feel like him and Regina King are, like, two individuals, like, they, that was our childhood. Like, I'm 36. Like, I can remember Regina King from 227 and, you know what I'm saying, Friday and Boondocks and, like, and it's the same thing with Omar Epps. I mean, from Juice. I mean, come on, man. Like, Omar Epps is a whole legend. And I just felt like, that just made me think about that, Eugene. Just made me think about how this man, like, has been a staple. Like, in, in, in my childhood, my teenage years, and adulthood, and this man like rarely ever like get any like recognition for that. Man, a legend. They won't make that clear. Man, a legend. Him and, and Regina King, they they deserve their flowers, man. TJ, what is the game plan to stop the 49ers? Uh, three yards in a cloud of dust style. Uh, D line has been suspect in recent weeks. That's the reason why I'm telling you, King Arthur. You got to get these linebackers involved, man. You got to get these linebackers involved. Uh, you got to get these guys up here thumping because here's the thing. We all know what the 49ers want to do. I mean, they want to run a the football. They want to impose their will and they want to run, run you down. I mean, it's just that simple. I mean, it, it's no, it's no shock or anything like that, but it's going to be interesting, man. Cause I really have a feeling that Trevor Penning going to play in this game. So it's, it should be interesting to see him uh, go up against uh, Nick Bosa. Good luck with that, buddy. Well, I, no, I take that back. Nick Bosa is probably going to be lined up against uh, Ryan Ramchick. 
But I think you're gonna see Trevor Penn in this game. So it's gonna be interesting, man. But uh look, they got they gotta take their best shot. They they do, they gotta take the 49ers best shot. And even though the 49ers are impressive, I mean they're they not world beaters, they can be beat. And um, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, didn't the Falcons beat them? And you know, I know they had a bunch of injuries and stuff like that that they were dealing with, but man, I think they I think they can beat them. I think they can. I'm gonna take a few more and then we're gonna get up out of here, folks. Get up out of here. Let's see. Uh said uh go go power rangers um on our team with offensive linemen on the field, just like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, especially Tommy uh Oliver uh are joined on the Power Rangers team, went on the first episode of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, rest in peace. Uh Jason David Frank, he's a real incredible legend in the childhood. I love watching the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and all when I was uh little to be uh honest offensive linemen are doing the same you know andy dalton on fire with three touchdowns yesterday keep his uh keep his doing the great job i guess you mean keep doing a great job well thank you man and uh use a lot of power ranger references in there but of course i mean look i would be remiss not to mention uh jason david frank uh it's unfortunate that the brother decided to uh take his own life um you know there's a moment i tell everybody you know Man, sometimes you got to check on your friends, even the strongest of friends. Sometimes it seems like people got things together and they don't. And uh, sometimes like we see people, uh, you know, in, you know, at work or we see people like, you know, around and we just think that that person just got everything together. But sometimes, you know, you know, like they say, smiles and cries, like what they say on training day. I mean, it's, it's the truth. I mean, sometimes, you know, it's life can be hard. That's why you got to check on your friends and, if you ever just have these thoughts, man, it's just, you know, just know, man, you got a lot of people out here that love you. I don't care how bleak things get. People love you. Uh, they they care about you. If you leave this world, I mean, you're going to leave a huge void in somebody's life. I know sometimes, like, we may call somebody and don't pick up the phone. Or, you know, like, we, we may need somebody and nobody's there. But if you take your own life, you take yourself out, there's somebody out there that's going to, like be hurt by that situation. It's unfortunate that he, he decided to take that route. But um, as we all can see, I mean, he meant a lot to a lot of people, uh, especially us as kids, man. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers came out in 1993. I can remember being um, a seven-year-old kid, you know, sitting on my grandmother's floor, sitting on my mom's uh, floor in the house and, and watching it for the first time. And I remember, you know, that everybody wanted to be the Green Ranger. And then when he turned white, Everybody wanted to be the white ranger, you know. So rest in peace to Jason David Frank. Uh, you know, he left us with a lot of memories. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, it's a shot to our childhood. I mean, he's up there with, with Steve Urkel and Laura. And, you know, I mean, all these other, you know, different superheroes they had out there. You know, Boy Meets World. You know, they weren't superheroes, but y'all get the point. Corinne Topanga, uh, <laughs> you know, step by step, like he, he, he was there, man. Yeah. Uh, Saints aren't out of the race, but they're definitely limping with a Dennis Al <laughs> Albatross around around their waist. You ain't lying. You ain't lying about that. You are not lying about that. Uh, Shouts out to Cat for putting DA on the spot about what he told Winston in London. Of course, he didn't answer. Well, look, at the end of the day, it is what it is. Um, I don't see I don't see Jameis Winston re-signing with the Saints, uh, especially if Dennis Allen decides to come back. 
the guy deserves a shot to be a quarterback in the league. It's up to a team how much they want to invest in him. It just seems like the Saints aren't interested in uh, Jameis Winston. But I will say this. As much as I'm not a fan of Dennis Allen, I mean, we just got to keep it a buck. Dennis Allen did not come up to – Dennis Allen did not come to this conclusion by himself. And trust me, some of the players that we love and respect probably played a role in Andy Dalton being a starting quarterback. Now, I know we just want to make it feel like it's just Dennis Allen's decision and his decision alone, but it's not. Trust me, trust and believe. It, it may not be the deciding factor, but trust and believe these players like had a had a say so in who they feel like should be the quarterback of the team. I, I'm just I'm just being one hundred. Like I just think that believing that it was just Dennis Allen and Dennis Allen alone coming up to that coming to that conclusion. I just think you sadly mistake. I, I do. It's it's some it's some it's some OGs and some and some leaders on his team that helped him come to that conclusion. And of course, you know those guys are going to be, you know, not taking response. You know, talk, not they're not going to take responsibility, which they shouldn't. But you know, they had something to do with it. Try, I mean, I'm just being honest. Uh, I don't think the same 49ers game will be a blowout. That's tonight game was was though well i didn't see i i didn't see tonight's game i honestly i didn't see a snap i know they was playing but um man i was i was with paxton uh most of the day i was cleaning up my house I, technically i'm on vacation this week from work you know but of course you know paxton gets sick and now you know so i'm, I'm kind of glad that i took this vacation a uh, week because if i didn't i mean wow right uh but yeah i, I took the time to like, clean up the house Try to get the house prepared for the Christmas holiday, Thanksgiving. You know, try to get the Christmas lights out. You know, what I'm saying, try to get them from being, you know, tangled up and stuff like that. I, I haven't really, you know, I I haven't really watched anything uh, that involves yesterday's game or tonight's game or anything. Like mostly, you know, I was just listening, like I was just working, you know, cleaning up and listening to podcasts and, you know, just caring for Paxton at the same time. But no, nah, I mean I'll go back and, and of course look at the highlights, but I didn't I didn't see anything. TJ, uh, you was a fool in that Oklahoma drill. Uh, no, I was not. <laughs> no, I was not. <laughs> no, I was not. Uh, Da needs a guillotine. Nah, we, we, we ain't gonna we ain't, we ain't gonna we ain't gonna chop him up, bro. We ain't gonna chop him up. We ain't gonna chop him up. We ain't gonna chop him up. We go. We 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 want we want him uh. We we think that he not the answer, but we, we don't want to chop him up though. We ain't gonna chop him up. Hell no, to the no no no. Hell to the no. <laughs> uh, I was eleven and ninety three. I'm old as hell. Yes, you are, my friend. I'm just joking. <laughs> hey man, but look, that's how life is, right? It's amazing. Like we watch. Some like it's crazy though. So my wife she watches the uh, all these BT plus. I'm sorry, babe. I don't know if you're watching this. You're gonna be like, oh, why are you telling my business? But she watches these BT movies. Oh no, these charisma movies and stuff. Yeah, be watching like they had the dude that was on uh three strikes. I know y'all probably some of y'all probably know what I'm talking about, but some of y'all do three strikes. And I'm watching this dude, man. He got gray in his head and stuff. I'm like, man, I remember this dude. 
like we're young and vibrant. Then you see Bill Bellamy and stuff like you know how to be a player and like he looking old and I'm like, man, it just really like puts your life into perspective. Like the older you get, the older the people that you grew up watching get. Watch the interview with Jasmine Guy and Kadeem Hardison, you know, that was a uh, Whitley and, and Dwayne Wayne. And I'm looking at them, I'm like, man, they just got older. But it just, you know, like it's it just amazing. You know what I'm saying? It's just amazing. Like when you think about it and you look back and you see like people who you remember like just so young, you're like, man, this person was cool. Like everybody, like everybody wanted to be Dwayne Wayne. Like everybody wanted to be Dwayne Wayne. Everybody wanted to flip up glasses. Everybody, like everybody wanted the Dwayne Wayne swag. Everybody wanted to be Ryan Johnson. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody wanted to be these cats. Now you look at them, it's like, I mean, you still like you just think about it, like, man, these guys were the coolest people ever, you know. And now, it's like, you know, you look at them and you see how old old they got, and not to say that they look old and crusty, but like, you know, you see in gray and stuff like that, and it's like, wow, you know, I remember when they was it's an amazing experience. Dalton at his best don't turn over the ball. Jameis at his best hit them throws that Dalton can't make. Look, I think that pros and cons to both quarterbacks. I'm not going to sit up here and just say, oh, you put Jameis in the lineup, it's going to exolve everything. Like, I just, I don't believe that. I think that both of these guys have, like, strong points, and then I feel like both guys have shortcomings, you know? But, I, I like, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I like Jameis a lot. I got a lot of respect for Jameis Winston and and. You know, Andy Dalton has done absolutely uh, nothing to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want him to be successful, of course. Like, I'm not sitting up there hoping he throws an interception to put Jameis in. I hope that you, that's not what y'all are doing. Uh, but I just feel like both guys have strong points and both guys have limitations. TJ, do you think Hendon Hooker could fall to us in the second round? Yes, I do. I do. Based on the ACL, on man, bless that brother. I feel so bad for him because everything started to come together. Uh, light came on for him, and then all of a sudden that happens. Oh, man, I, I feel bad for him. But um, based on this, a lot of teams that probably would have picked him in the first round, not going to do that. You know, they're not going to draft him in the first round because they they can't afford to have this guy, like, waiting around. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they, they will want that guy to be on the field right now learning and being at quarterback. So, yes, you know, I, I do feel like he can be there. And to be honest with you, if he is there, the Saints need to draft him because I feel like the Saints most likely uh, probably going to bring one of these quarterbacks back. They probably going to bring back Andy Dalton for the most part because I don't think Jameis going to want to stick around and be a bridge guy. I think Andy Dalton would be more willing to accept that role. Um, and at the same time, you know, you can probably draft Hendon Hooker and have him, you know, go through rehab and stuff like that. And, you know, if Andy Dalton not giving you what you want, in like in the middle of the season, Hendon Hooker will probably be back to be able to, to give you that lift. So, yes, I do. You know, and this is like, it's unfortunate, but this might be one of those situations where, the Saints might end up getting themselves a franchise quarterback in the most unlikely circumstance. Because if because if Hendon Hooker is there in the second round, you draft. Like, it's just as simple as that. You you draft Hendon Hooker. Like, I feel like, like me personally, 
based on how the Chargers are looking, uh, Los Angeles is going to call up the Saints. They're going to offer the Saints a first-round draft pick. For They're going to offer them this year's first-round draft pick, probably next year's first-round draft pick. So the Saints can probably draft themselves. I don't know if I'm – if it's me, um, I'm, dra- I'm drafting a, a pass rusher. I'm drafting a pass rusher. Um, or I'm drafting a, a, another guard. Like, I'm drafting a guard, getting rid of Andrews Pete, or I'm drafting a, a, a pass rusher in the first round. Or, you know what I'm saying, if you want to, you can draft yourself a quarterback. Because if you, if Hendon Hooker ends up, like, going in the second round, then you can draft him, right? But I just think that the Saints need themselves another pass rush. Um, I, look, the Davenport experience uh hasn't worked out Peyton Turner I mean he's still up in there he has some bright spots but I still need to see more they need to get themselves another pass rush and if Hendon Hooker is there in the second round you draft him that's just, that's just how I feel because if you're not in love with a guy like okay if you're, you ain't gonna get Bryce Young you ain't gonna get CJ Stroud if you're not gonna get like any one of those guys then I just feel like you need to get something that's going to be beneficial. Like Cam Jordan is getting older and you need to get yourself a, a, a you know, a pass rush. The guy that's, that you can, you know, not, not one of these dudes that from the university, I mean, from UTEP and, you know, like he six foot nine, like, no man, get yourself a, a, a guy that, you know, like one of these guys from Georgia, uh, I don't know, one of these guys like from Alabama, like get yourself somebody that you know that's gonna go out there and be that have that dog mentality and has proven on a on a, a big stage that he can get the job done. But yes, I, I do I, I do feel it's unfortunate. Um, but I don't see a team drafting Hendon Hooker in the first round, knowing that if you draft him in the first round, you're looking for a guy to give you production like from day one. I feel like he would fall to the New Orleans Saints and New Orleans Saints situation will be beneficial to him because you don't have to worry about drafting. You know, I mean, you don't have to worry about, you know, a, a quarterback being there. You're, it's, you're the future of the franchise. So you can get a guy like a Teddy Bridgewater. Or you can get a guy like a Andy Dalton. And you can have them guys as your bridge guy. And when, by the time Hooker is ready, you know, he's ready to rock and roll. Damn, TJ, I just watched the 49ers game. This is going to be messy next week. Still, who that? Uh, what was the score of that game, man? Y'all, man, what was it? Okay, 38 to 10. I'm looking at it right now. So they, they beat them 38 to 10 in Arizona. Um, I'm, I'm just looking at the stats right now. I apologize, folks. Jimmy Garoppolo, four touchdowns. My goodness, 20 or 29. Definitely not something that you want to hear. Uh, George Kittle, two touchdowns. Brandon IU, two touchdowns. Wow. Then you have Debo Samuels with a rushing touchdown. Okay. Chris McCaffrey out there, seven carries for 39 yards. And he also has seven catches for six. Yeah, that's not good. But at the end of the day, you better come up with a game plan. Uh, let's be real about it. This current Saints isn't drafting Hendon Hooker or any other black quarterback. Uh, the Deshaun Watson sweet state was a joke and a fluke. Nah, man, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. We we got to stop, like, we got to stop trying to program ourselves to believe that, like, the New Orleans Saints are racist. Because here's the thing. If if you believe that they're, if you think that the New Orleans Saints are president, why, why are you a fan of the team? Like, seriously. 
as a I'm, I'm pretty aj i don't know I, I don't know brother um i don't know if you're black or white i assume that you're african-american and so why is it that you would like if you feel that way if you feel like the saints will never go after a black quarterback which like history has shown um especially over the last 20 years that the saints have had four black quarterbacks they've had jeff blake they've had aaron brooks they had teddy bridgewater and they had Jameis winston and i may be missing one am i missing oh yeah i mean oh you got a dude from ohio state somebody help me out man i can't think of his name jt barrett so that's five so you've had five quarterbacks in the last 20 years and you're expecting for us to believe that there's this love like i don't believe that man because I'm not going to believe it because if if that's the case, then I mean I'm just I I, I don't know I, I don't believe it I, I don't believe it. These teams want to win. At the end of the day, they want to win. It ain't got nothing. It ain't got nothing to do with it. Now I understand that people are upset about the whole Jameis Winston situation, but I don't think it has anything. Like I honestly, wholeheartedly feel that the decision to draft i mean the decision to sit james winston has absolutely nothing to do with him being a black quarterback i don't i think it has something to do with the fact that he's had a history of being a turnover machine and uh they they the decision was based on maybe dennis allen along with some of the leaders on the team coming to this conclusion like we we look at we look at dennis allen and we like okay yeah it's his, because he was the one pulling the trigger but i really honestly wholeheartedly believe that he sat down with some of the most respected guys in that locker room and they came up with that decision including including alvin Kamara. i can't prove that well, I'm pretty sure I could if I if I really did my work, but I really feel like they had something to do with it. We need a six nine dudes in the middle. Yeah, if you can get a Calais Campbell guy, I'm I'm down with that. Uh, Bridgewater, Winston, and try to get uh, Watson. Uh, that's all I'm saying, man. Like I get it, man. I understand the frustration, and you know, what I'm saying I ain't trying to make no excuses, but it's just hard for me to like believe the record and the track record of this team and, and, and the black quarterback for me to feel and believe that this team wouldn't draft a Hendon hooker if he's available and they like his upside and his ability and his talent. I, I just don't like, I don't believe it. Like if you, if you are, if you are looking at a guy and like, Oh man, shoot, he, he all right, but he black. So I can't like, if you look at like that, man, you don't want to win. And my thing is once again, if you feel that way, then why why are you a fan of the team? You know what I'm saying? Like, that, like I, I I can't understand it. Like, why would you want to be a fan of a team that you feel like is prejudiced? I I don't I I wouldn't. If look if if they came out and they did an investigation, and I found this out, that would probably be the last day I become a Saints fan. Like I would probably like I probably would never be a Saints fan again. Like, seriously, like if, if the investigation came out and they proved that, 
yeah, like the the state of the Saints podcast would be no more. It'd probably be the state of the NFL or something. Cause I, I ain't look anybody that got that in their heart, like I can't roll with you like that. But that would be absolutely ridiculous. You might as well move out of town because we all know that there's a nice majority of African Americans that stay in the city of New Orleans. So I wouldn't want to go that route. I just don't believe that. I just don't. I don't believe it. Uh, TJ, the Saints passed over Warren Moon and uh, uh, Bobby Aber. Well, let me tell you this, man. Let's be real about this, King Arthur. During those days, there was a level of prejudice. Not just about with the Saints, but everywhere. Like, there was this stigma about the African-American quarterback that they, it was a thinking position and they they didn't have the intellect to do it. Everybody did it. Like, there was a reason why when Cardell Stewart came out of Colorado, they had him doing everything but playing quarterback. Now, he was before his time. I feel bad for Cardell Stewart because he was before his time. If Cardell Stewart was a quarterback in modern-day NFL, he'd probably be one of the best. Why? Because, you know, he was able to do some of these things, these zone reads and all that kind of stuff. He'll be able to run that RPO stuff that made him successful at the University of Colorado. Warren Moon, Warren Moon, it, it was just plain and simple. It was just straight up 100% peer prejudice. There's a reason why he spent the majority of his years in Canada and was really, really good in Canada. He was really good as a Canadian football player. If you combine his, his yards in the NFL and his yards in Canada, like the man threw for like insane yards. Right. Um, he was great with the Houston Oilers. They got him like a little bit late in his career. You know, he was, you know, in his almost in his 30s. I think he was like 29 or something like that when he joined Houston. They had a couple of like really successful teams. He was throwing for three, four hundred yards a game. And uh he played till he was like around 41, 42. And he had some really good years with Minnesota. But like I said, he it, it was just one of those times where, you know. People were, you know, prejudiced when it came to the black quarterback. But now, not so much. Like, you look around the National Football League, like, you see a lot of African-American quarterbacks all around this thing. And you have to be a complete numbskull if you're still looking at race to decide who's going to be your signal caller. So, that, that it's just that simple. But, yes, I do agree with you, Ken Arthur, during those times. The practices that they had when it comes to the, the evaluation process, it, it was not fair. It was it was a lot of prejudice going on. But in modern day NFL, like if you still talking about, oh man, I don't know about him. He black, like man, just throw your whole team in the trash and let me know about it because I ain't trying to root for nobody. I ain't trying to, you know, look. At, I mean, not draft a guy because he black, uh, which is uh, crazy because they drafted for him. Uh, let's see. Uh, I think uh, DTR from UCLA would be a solid pick for us at quarterback. Uh, let's see. Dennis Allen couldn't coach his way out of a plastic bag. Dude is a coordinator, not a coach. Well, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I think that he's a good defensive coach. I think he wanted the best, but I think there's levels to this, and that's not his level. That's uh, that's like saying a team races because they don't have white cornerbacks. Good point. Jason Seahorn, the great white hope. Well, I will say this. A lot of teams probably don't draft him because there's not really many of them. 
Like how many, like looking at looking at college, like college football, like how many white cornerbacks you see out there? I, you don't. You don't really see one. You know, you don't really see too many white cornerbacks. I can't remember the last time I like you said J, uh, Jason Seahorn. Like, uh, what was that dude name? Uh, man, uh, dude that played for Adam Archuleta, but he was like a safety. Um, it, it's I don't know, man. You don't really see too many of them. I don't have it in my heart, TJ, but I have to wonder about Allen with Pryor and Winston. You know, Barbara, that's interesting, but I, I will say, I will say this. Um, the way that Dennis Allen coaches and the way that he is, I just feel like he is one of those guys that can't really develop offensive players. And when he when he went to the to Raiders, I feel like he felt like he had something to prove. And he didn't want to hitch his wagon to somebody that that wasn't a traditionalist. Like that may sound crazy. I don't feel like it was it was a, a racial thing. I just think that it was more so like the way that they played the offensive innovation. I don't think that he was he thought that he was going to be able to coach nor bring somebody in to be able to coach that that type of style. And if it didn't work out, then, okay, you know what I'm saying, I'm going to get fired, which probably should have did anyway because you got fired. Anyway, I, I don't I don't think it has anything. To, I, I don't. I I don't. Um, Because, <laughs> okay, if they didn't spend the majority of the offseason trying to go after Deshaun Watson, moving $30 million to try to acquire him, I probably would be like, okay, and some people are like, man, they weren't serious. No, no. I'm telling you right now. I got about four or five people that were close to the situation. Four or five people, I'm talking about close to the situation, was like the Saints were like dead serious about getting this dude. Like dead serious. I, I know. I know people don't want to accept that. I'm, I'm, I'm so serious. Like it was, they, they was. They, they was ready to roll out and, and, and get the PR work going, baby, to try to get everybody on board with this, including anybody that was skeptical about it. I'm telling you, they were serious. I need y'all to lose. We have your first round pick, says Cornbread. Well, look, I'm pretty sure you're an Eagles fan, but look, man, I mean, the damage already been done. You know what I'm saying? Y'all going to get a nice little draft pick, and y'all going to be picking in the 20s also. So. Well, you know what I'm saying? Y'all, well, y'all gonna be a Super Bowl contender and y'all still gonna be picking in the top, you know what I'm saying? Top 12, 12, 15. So uh TJ White running backs uh didn't really become a thing until around this time. my Green was still playing for Green Bay, right? Uh I'm not saying Green was white. Uh, I named him for a reference point. Uh what are we talking about? Um Oh yeah, Peyton Hillis. Man, what was the dude? And what was the uh, other guy? Um, the running back uh, out of Stanford. Man, what was the dude name? Oh my goodness, man! He underwent like the Doak Walker Award like back in the day. And um, when he got to the league, he ended up like being a fullback. I can't think of that dude name. Somebody help me out with that. I I cannot think of this dude name for the life of me, but. He was probably, you know, what I'm saying he was a guy that they thought was gonna be, you know, one of them great white running back. Yes, thank you, Toby Gerhardt. Thank you, Derek. 
Toby Gerhardt. I can't think of his name. But yeah, they was um they thought that he was gonna be like the best the best thing since sliced toast bread. Didn't work out. Peyton Hillis had a magical year, so magical he was on the cover of Madden. Just didn't work out, you know. I mean, you, you got some guys out here, you know what I'm saying? Like Rex Burkhead, pretty good, right? You know what I'm saying? He didn't carved out a little career for himself. And you got some guys that come in, you know what I'm saying, that's, that play, you know, the running back position pretty well. I mean, you can't forget about Chris McCaffrey. Like, Chris McCaffrey might go down in history as, like, the greatest white running back of all time, you know. But, I mean, one one, I mean, I don't know. It's it, it just, I don't, I don't know. It's like certain positions, like wide receiver, you know, you might see some white guys out there, Cooper Cup doing his thing. Uh, Jordan Nelson has done his thing, you know, like uh, Hunter Renfro throwing his thing. But when it comes to like cornerbacks and safeties and stuff, you don't really see too many white guys playing that position. Bring back Dennis James Allen and Dalton free James and tank for Caleb. I ain't, I look, I, I ain't in the tanking business. <laughs> but, you know, if they do bring them back, don't be surprised if they get an opportunity to draft this dude. TJ, was Peyton Hillis the Jeremy Lin of the NFL? No, because Jeremy Lin, unlike uh, Peyton Hillis, is still playing basketball and had a good little career. Now, he, you know, as far as the whole insanity thing, yes, I mean, that was his peak, but at the end of that, he's still like, you know, still playing basketball. When it comes to Peyton Hillis, I mean, he was like, here and then he was gone, like, Robert Smith, number 26 for the Vite, Mike Allstott. Robert Smith wasn't, wasn't white. <laughs> Robert Smith was, he was light-skinned. And I think he was uh, biracial, but he, I mean, I guess if you want to, you know, technically call him that, but yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like I, people would consider him as a, a black guy. Mike Allstott, yeah. Mike Allstott was a fullback, probably the best fullback I ever seen. Name me a white cornerback without looking it up. Uh, Jason Seahorn is the only one I could think of. <laughs> yeah, Jason Seahorn, the only one I could think of. Uh, I'm really trying to thank you. Yeah, I, that's the only one I can think of that actually did something, you know. And like I said, Adam Archuleta, but he he played more of a safety. John Lynch is is another one, you know. What I'm saying he played safety though. Um, but yeah, Jason Seahorn like the only cornerback I knew white boy that played. Uh, I get it, what Sorensen, you know, Sorensen, you know, what I'm saying for the Saints, you know, what I'm saying, like, but is he a well, he a safety too, so yeah. TJ, top five hardest hitting linebackers of the 2000s, go. Um, gotta put Ray Lewis on there. Um, <laughs> um, I, I really gotta think about this in the 2000s. Somebody help me out with this. Uh, Ray Lewis is probably the only one I can just think of at this particular time. I'm pretty sure they got some more. I'm pretty sure I can I can uh, think about, but that put me on the spot right there. Ray Lewis is the only one that just kind of popped into my head. Yeah, Joey Porter is another one. Um, uh, I mean, you can't go wrong with anybody. Terrell Suggs. Mm, I'm trying to look around the league here. Uh man, um Fletcher, you know what I'm saying? Like Fletcher was uh one, Lance Briggs, Brian Erlacher, 
Yeah. London Fletcher is probably, you know what I'm saying? I, I say London Fletcher. Wasn't the most popular guy in the world? Yeah, Patrick Willis is another one. Yeah. Zach Thomas, yeah. Jonathan Vilma, Greg Lloyd, Erlacher, yeah. And I was drawing a blank. I, honestly, I was, I was drawing a blank at that time. Thank y'all for that. Greg Lloyd, that, that, that's more 90s, ain't it? Greg Lloyd, like, he, mostly 90s, wasn't he? He played, like, with Kevin Green and you know, guys like that. Yeah, Tequil Spice was, yeah, he's pretty good. Uh, Yeah, but, uh, man, what's the other guy name? What's the other guy name? Oh, man, he played with Patrick Willis. Who was the I, it wasn't Patrick Willis who y'all remember that hit that Drew Brees took and you know what I'm saying it stretched his neck and people was like you know what I'm saying making memes out of this. It wasn't. It it wasn't uh it wasn't Patrick Willis though. It was another linebacker on the team. Yeah, Bowman. Thank you, Navarro Bowman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, can't can't go wrong with that. You know, can't go wrong with that. Yeah, but we're about to go ahead and get up out of here, man. Thank y'all so much. Uh, really do appreciate your time. Uh, this has been uh, the State of the Saints podcast. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. As y'all can see, man, we're pretty interactive here. Uh, we love the Saints football, but we also talk about different things as well. So uh, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Uh, also, hit that like button if you have not already. And you can check out previous episodes of the State of the Saints podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, Anchor FM. And you can follow me on Twitter at TJAY Jones 8. Everybody have a good night, uh, good morning, good evening, whenever you're checking out this podcast. And like always, all I got to say is, who that? <laughs>